0: Welcome in to the UGA Football Live Podcast. I'm your host, JC Shelton, in partnership with UGA Wire of the USA Today's College Wire Network. What's up everyone? Welcome into an NFL draft special. That's right, 2021 draft is finally here. Kicks off Thursday night and will end on Saturday. I think you can hear my dog panting in the background. Just took her outside. Um, But the draft is absolutely huge for Georgia football this year. Uh, I think we had seven guys drafted last year. But this year, 11 Bulldogs expect to hear their name called on one of the three days. So big day coming up. And honestly, one of my favorite events of the year. And if you're a football fan and listening to me, which you probably are if you are listening, then you feel the same way. So we'll get into all the juicy rumors and such as we bring down, you know, break down each bulldog who could possibly go. Um, I'll jump into that soon. But I do want to remind you, if you haven't already listened, so check out the G-Day special that we did last episode, Uh, the previous episode. I know G-Day is a long gone, but I had Aaron Murray, Tavares King, and Mark Richt on there. and There was some great stuff there. So check it out if you can. All right, so let's get to it. So 2021 NFL draft, what a time. Of course, last year it was the strangest draft possibly ever, the 2020 draft. Think back to April last year. What were you doing? I remember last year, I remember draft week was about a month or so into the serious quarantining. So I hadn't been out of my house except to get some sun. I remember we were like covering the draft and and watched about 12 hours of draft coverage at least over the weekend, as we broke down Bulldogs, you know, who went in 2020. Thankfully, it won't be as weird this year, of course, as things open back up because of vaccines, and the draft is actually live from Cleveland instead of virtually. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how exactly they do the broadcast, whether there will be some virtual calls and stuff like last year or not. But I'm excited regardless, and I know these dogs are as well. I mean, these guys have been preparing since the final whistle against Cincinnati and the Peach Bowl win in January, the pro day was March 17th. You know, that was one of the major days they had to get through. And now it's draft day. So this is, the, this is the creme de la creme. This is it. So let's go ahead and break down each prospect and talk about what we know and where they could fall this weekend, possibly. What I did was rank the draftable Bulldogs in order. I think they'll go. So that will be great to help give you a sense of what could happen as well as give me a test to see if I'm full of it or not. So 1 through 11, we'll start at the top here. And you can probably guess what dog is first. Aziz Ojalari, right? And I'll be comparing these guys with both Mel Kuyper's final big board player rankings. He's been covering for the draft for, you know, like 30 years. And I trust his evaluations for sure. He's ranked every draft eligible player. So we'll compare that with the NFL Network Draft insider Pete Schrager's final mock draft uh, for the first round guys, though, because he only did that one round. Um, so Aziz is going to be the first Bulldog off the board, barring any wild moves. I mean, he's possibly the best edge defender in the draft, of course, depending on who you talk to. I've heard insiders and analysts talk about how he is you know, a bit underrated uh, because of his age. Only a 20-year-old who started just the last two seasons and the amount of tape. So the amount of tape isn't there uh, per se, but the quality of his tape is electric. Uh, Mel Kuyper has Aziz as the number 36 ranked prospect in the entire draft, uh, which is the top Georgia Bulldog. Um, Now, where will he go? So I've seen a variety of landing spots around Aziz, uh, but I, I trust Pete Schrager's connections with the league. And he has Ojolari going to the Indianapolis Colts as a number 21 pick overall. And I've also seen a bunch of mocks drafts referring to the Titans at pick number 22 as another option. So right there at 21, 22, both looking defense. Um, So uh, specifically linebackers, you know, and Ojalari has played both edge and outside that said, we won't know for sure, of course, but this gives a good guide to what we might see. Ojalari ranked in the top four in both sacks, forced fumbles among power five pass rushers last season. Um, and, and we know what he did in the Peach Bowl against Cincinnati, and that was a good Cincinnati team. Three sacks, you know, Peach Bowl MVP, um, had a great pro day. So he's electric, and he'll he'll be the first one off the board. And at number two, I have cornerback Tyson Campbell. So after Ojalary at number two, I've got Campbell. Uh, Kuyper has him as the number 64-ranked prospect. Peter Schrager doesn't have him going in the first round mock. Although I have seen some that have Campbell going in the first. Actually, you know, a few. I mean, there's there's they're everywhere with Campbell in the first round. He will most likely go in the second or third. There are two top corners you have to think of here when we're talking about corners in this draft. So South Carolina's JC Horn and Alabama's Patrick Surtain. Wherever those guys go will dictate, I think, where Campbell and Stokes go. So he ran a four three six forty at Georgia's Pro Day, which really confirmed his speed and his coverage tape is solid. So ball skills is what I've seen as far as concerns or if anything's hurting him, um, if anything is. But that said, for me, you can't talk Tyson Campbell without talking about another corner and Eric Stokes. And I already mentioned him there, um, but but Stokes was projected second, third, or fourth round early in the year, um, But, you know, after running in the four twos during the pro day and another combine event, his stock has really risen. And that's why I have him going number three on my list. So cornerback Eric Stokes is the third dog taken, I think. I mean, the majority of the consensus has Campbell going ahead of Stokes here. But Pete Schrager does have Stokes going at number 24 overall to the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, which is surprising because, you know, Campbell's not even in that mock. So, one of the few guys that I've seen put Stokes ahead of Campbell. Mel Kuyper has Stokes as a number 71 prospect overall. If I had to pick one area where I think anything could happen, I would say it's here. Because with Campbell and Stokes, again, it depends on where the top tier guys Horn and Sertango, but I'm really intrigued here. Um, I think both guys have great upside, and both guys are still raw. They're still young. Um, and I think both guys have a lot of work to do maybe to to hone in their craft and become elite lockdown corners. But I think the, the ceiling is there. You know, these guys could do it, and they have the skills right now and just speed and, and, and experience in a, in a, you know, top defense like Georgia. So it'll be interesting to see where the corners go there. So that's my top three. My top three again, Aziz Ojolari, cornerback Tyson Campbell, and Eric Stokes. Um, and at number four, so Ben Cleveland, at number four for me. He didn't get the bench press record at the combine. That's what everybody wants to talk about. But it really doesn't matter. I mean, he dominated guys as a right guard this past season and his strength and ability to move these big defensive tackles stands out. I mean, he also ran a surprisingly good 40 at the pro day. I think it was a, what, 485 unofficial. I think at, at 350 pounds, you know, 6'6". Kuiper has Cleveland as the number 83 prospect overall. I expect him to go anywhere... From you know mid third to late fourth, depending. I think he's got great upside as well. I mean the injuries kind of kind of hurt him uh, last season, but I think he stayed healthy most of the season and, and really showed that you know, he can stay in for a full season and do work. And that's what he did um, in the SEC against some you know great defensive tackles. At number five. The fifth dog I think will go is tight end Trey McKitty. So this may be a surprise to some, but after Ojolari Campbell and Stokes, Cleveland, there's a drop-off. McKitty impressed at the combine with measurables, 6'4 and a quarter, 250 pounds, and ran a 4'7. Not a flashy receiving tight end, um, but he can be a matchup problem. Georgia didn't use him very much as a matchup problem. I mean, that's a topic for another day, Uh, but he's a solid blocker. Showed strength at the catch point when he was thrown to last season. Experienced guy, smart guy. And and I really liked what he was able to do just the few times we tried to use him. Kuiper has McKitty as the number seven overall tight end. He could wind up at the team, you know, at a team who likes to use pre snap motions and set up locking schemes and play actions off of that, like Carolina, uh, the New York Jets, the Bears. They always seem to love those pre-snap motions. Again, they're ends in to different blocking situations that way. And, and McKitty's a solid blocker at the least. So I have him going there. That's my top five. And then at number six, I have center Trey Hill. Um, I haven't seen Hill going in many mocks, uh, but his tape is just so solid to me. And that's what I've heard um, the talk about him is surrounding his tape and how good it is. He was easily the second best center in the SEC behind Bama's Landon Dickerson. To me, he he led the serious rushing attack. You know, for us for the last few seasons, we always have a serious rushing attack. But he was like one of those main stays in the middle, played a lot of games at center. He did have those knee surgeries um that kept him out for Cincinnati, kept his stock from rising, I think, kept that talk low. Anytime you have a guy coming off energy injury who is, you know, maybe you know mid round pick or or mid draft pick anyway, I think it hurts him a little bit. Um, but we'll see. Of course, you know, we don't know exactly where teams have him on his board but the knee surgeries that kept him out were minor surgeries I mean he'll be back 100% for training camp and, and Kuyper has Hill rated as the number three center and the number 108 prospect overall and and judging just by how my dog is panting so loud back here hey Ruby <laughs> man I just run her outside I hit the golf balls too and she loves it Um, but where was I so yeah Kuyper number 108 prospect overall I thought that was really intriguing just with all the talk I was hearing about his tape. I expect him to go in the fourth or fifth, and I think he'll be happy with that if he's there. So that's the top six. Number seven. At number seven, I have inside linebacker Monty Rice. So led the SEC in tackles over the last two seasons. His tape is is really good. A 4-6 at the pro day. I think, unfortunately for him, this draft is absolutely loaded at edge and linebacker. So he's overshadowed a bit, you know? Kuyper doesn't have Rice in his top 150. He has him at the number 10 linebacker. I know Pro Football Focus has Rice going in the fourth round of the Cowboys at pick number 115. Upside for Monty Rice is huge here. I mean, you play in the SEC with, you know, an offense. Offenses like Alabama and LSU and Burrow have evolved in the SEC and the rushing attacks are always great. And we play these rushing teams every year, Auburn, Kentucky. He has to deal with those guys up at his face, some big linemen, great running backs. And he proved himself to be you know, one of the best tacklers in the league. So I think that's big for him. And he ran, like I said, that 4'6", I think is good for him um, at inside linebacker. He's a big guy, too. I think the upside is big for him. And he was looking slim on on Pro Day, too. Not Pro Day, I meant G-Day, sorry. I know he was at G-Day, and he they gave him a sideline hit, ESPN did. And he looked in great shape, so excited to see what he can do. I know he was struggling with injuries last year, and if he wasn't, I think that we might have even seen a different version of him as far as in coverage and stuff, because if there's one part of the tape that is, is a little lacking, it's his coverage. Uh, but he was put in a lot of weird situations with the teams, especially against Florida. I don't even talk about that, but anyways, so that's seven. Monty Rice, I think he'll be feeling good to go in the fourth or fifth, but I know pro football focus has him in the fourth. Um, And it gets a little weird from from now on. So number eight, I've got Richard LeCount. And so he's the eighth dog that will go according to little me. And this has been a hot topic for me. And I just saw something yesterday that stood out to me. Go check out the article I wrote on LeCount on Wire right now. Uh, Matt Zenitz, who works for AL.com, spoke to 15 SEC coaches. And they voted LeCount as the most underrated player going into the draft. That day, I think he asked him the question was outside of the players widely projected to go in the first round, which SEC draft prospects would you most want on your team if you're an NFL general manager? So that was the question. And, you know, no surprise you know, to me and a lot of Georgia fans, especially, um, they voted LeCount as the most unrated player going into draft day. One coach was quoted as saying he was far and away the best safety in the league. But if we look at his analysis um, from other, you know, from media, from from draft analysts, from net, the NFL Network, most have him going undrafted. Um, and some, if they do have him going, it's like 240, 250 picks, you know. I mean, there are several good safeties in this year's draft, which hurts him a bit. Um, Trevin Morick from TCU, Richie Grant from UCF, Javon Holland from Oregon. Those are the top guys. Uh, What's hurting LeCount is the motorcycle incident, I think, the unknown surrounding that. Then his recovery from those injuries. And lastly, his speed. And we can talk all day about 40-yard dash times and whether they matter. I think for certain positions, they especially do. But, like, safety is one of those that's in between because a linebacker, a corner, you're the mix. As long as you can cover ground, cover field, and you know exactly where you're going, and you know the defense... And you can get call off position and you're in trouble, but the, the benefit of, of being in position is you don't have to rely on your speed like that. But anyway, he ran a four seven forty at his pro day, which is slower than most safeties in the league, I will admit. But if you look at ball skills, coverage, tackling, his leadership, the way he, he led one of the best defenses in the country for years, you know, like count as a fourth round steal to me racked up 26 tackles, tackle for a loss, fumble recovery, two interceptions, four pass breakups in just five games. And in 13, we're against Kentucky right when he was hurting. He was just getting his groove on, you know. And He was the unquestioned leader of, again, one of the top defenses in the country. Kuyper has to count as a number 15 safety, which I think is funny. All right, moving on. Um, At number nine, and speaking of safeties, defensive back Mark Webb. Is going as the ninth bulldog to go. So who is really intriguing to me is Webb, and he of course shared time with three other DBs in this Georgia draft class. So again, a bit overshadowed. Uh, he started just three games last season, so the lack of tape hurts him, I think. But what more important? What's more important is what he has going for him. So absolutely destroyed the pro day. He jumped 11 foot 4 in the broad jump which was two inches shy of the mark Jeremy Shin set at the top of leaderboard for DBs and last year's combine, plus his 36 and a half vert and 80-inch wingspan opened eyes as well. All this at almost 6'2", and he's 210 pounds. He's versatile. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we see him go even earlier than I have him, but I expect him anywhere from the 5th on, late 5th on. Kuiper has Webb as a number 19 safety. Moving on to number ten, the tenth dog on my list is cornerback d j Daniel, like Mark Webb, Daniel had to fight for playing time behind some top tier corners and Campbell and Stokes, but he did show flashes of ability, I think, and they had a solid pro day ran a four four six a lot of a lot of you know thing with these guys, something that kind of flows throughout this draftable class from Georgia is that they had to wait their time or didn't get as just as much playing time as you'd want to see but they all had great pro days almost you know there's besides accounts maybe disappointing time in 40 just a bit i think everybody else really excelled at the pro day and and just the, the the drills to show their athletic ability and their training and and daniel's is one of those guys who benefited so the lack of tape just makes it hard for me to believe that a team will take a chance on him when there's a good chance that he will go undrafted because they, you know, they, that opens the door for them to sign him as an undrafted free agent for cheaper and not use a pick. So there's that, uh, but, but Kuyper has Daniels as the number 25 corner in the draft. And then the last dog I think will go, last but not least, defensive tackle Malik Herring at number 11. All right, so I'll go ahead and say I expect Malik to get signed as an undrafted free agent. He's coming off the ACL tear, of course, but all reports say his work ethic is 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 so great that his recovery is going way ahead of schedule. And I've heard several positive things about him as a man, as a leader. So as with many Georgia D. Lyman, stat may stats may not jump off the sheet, but the tape speaks for itself because he was always impacting plays from his spot. And that's where NFL teams will know what they're doing. You know, they know what they're doing there. Um always impacting plays. Whether you know it's throwing off blocking schemes, you know blowing up uh, those running schemes, uh, running back routes out of the backfield for screens and such, QB receiver timing. I mean, he recorded 20 tackles, four and a half for a loss, two sacks, two passes defended, and, and most importantly, 24 quarterback pressures, which was second on a team with you know Nolan Smith, Aziz Ojalari, you know guys like that. And he's still second on the team as a defensive lineman in quarterback hurries, which just blows up your hope. It blows up everything for an offense, right? I mean, you can deal with pressure from the outside, but pressure up the middle is just completely different. Um, it blows, blows up everything, but I'm really pulling for Malik here. And I'd love to see someone take a chance on him this weekend during the draft. Um, but I think he might go undrafted. So, there it is my draft order for the 11 draftable Georgia Bulldogs this weekend. And I'm sure we'll go over these next week um, after the draft. We'll see how I did and see what happened, but I'm excited to get things going. See how everything shakes out tomorrow night. So make sure to check us out at UGA wire during the weekend. We will be keeping you up to date on everything, Georgia football, of course, before I close things out here, I do want to talk other draft goodies because draft is my favorite. So as a Georgia homer, I love my Falcons, you know that, and always have. But I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to say I'm feeling pretty crappy about ATL's draft right now. I I could be wrong in my opinion. My opinion is formed from the things I've read and seen with the process. We have the number four overall pick, right? A high pick for a talented team. That doesn't happen often. I mean, we had, what, 10 first-round picks on our offense. A defense suffered a bunch of injuries last year. We lost a lot of close games you are in a great division. Tampa won the Super Bowl. And, you know, a talented team doesn't get a high pick like this all the time. Got an MVP quarterback. That doesn't happen. You know, look at the other teams at the top of the draft. Jets, Jaguars, 49ers. I mean, they're really talented, too. They suffered from one of those weird seasons with injuries. But we got an MVP QB and weapons all over. So just a few pieces away here. And, of course, Arthur Smith, in his first year from Tennessee, Uh, with new GM Fontenot from New Orleans. I'm not sold on them whatsoever. And and what is concerning me the most right now is the fact that they have opened shop for Julio Jones. So reports have come out that uh, GM Fontenot and the Falcons are talking to teams about Julio, talking about plans. Now this could just be, there's one thing this could be, they could just be throwing smoke screens and talking to teams about trading Julio to make teams think that they're going to be trading back on draft night, I think that does happen in the league. I think that does happen to smoke screens when teams will throw out news or put out something to lead their you know, opponents off the case. So that could be one of these issues, but I don't think it is. That's the concerning part, you know. Um, but Julio is the best receiver in the league, and his connection with Matt Ryan isn't something you can just teach. It's earned from years of reps. For me, there are many better ways to get solid returns from the draft or trades without sending one of the best receivers Of this generation away. I hate the notion of it. If they trade Julio, I may, you know, write a very strongly worded letter to the front office. I don't know. But, you know, it's just not acceptable, folks. It's not. And another note here's the draft board that we should have at number four. So we'll just, whatever about Julio. If you trade him, I might cry. But, you know, here's what we should do at number four Fields, pits, that's it, that's the board. There should be two words on the Falcons' whiteboard in the office regarding the first pick, and it's fields and pits. I can't even count the times that I have seen statistics on f- and film on fields that shows me that, one, his ceiling is very, very high and not touched yet, and, two, his ability, work ethic, and history in big games against good defenses sets him apart. Clemson is Exhibit A last year. He was reading he was getting his fourth read the ball 50 yards downfield for touchdowns against one of the best defenses in the last 5 years what Clemson right I mean they're bringing all them guys back so that's kind of scary but that's another note I mean if he did that against Clemson it just it shows me things um Lawrence will go number 1 Jets will take Wilson 49ers will take Mac Jones Falcons take Fields If he's gone or someone trades up, which doesn't look like it's going to happen, take Pitts. And hey, I'm or just either or. I mean, I'm fine with trading back too. If someone wants to give us a bunch of return, that's fine. Um, But and then about Pitts, like he's just he's one of the biggest matchup problems we've seen come out of the draft since Calvin Johnson. I mean, he he almost runs as fast as Calvin Johnson, and he's got a bigger wingspan, which you know calvin johnson had well no is it he's just i think he's just smaller than calvin's and calvin had the biggest ever or something like that but he's just such a matchup problem and we know this first hand is georgia fans guys we know it we got to see it we had to i sat there in the stands and watched us get torn apart by this guy you know so i think he's one of those guys that you just can't pass up on the best available player and if he's that good take him i don't care what needs you have at that position or anything he's a weapon if someone wants to give us a bunch of return, like I said, that's fine. Sewell will be we talk about this offensive tackle of Sewell, and and it really kind of worries me because Sewell's a really good player. I'm not trying to put anything else against Sewell. Um I think he'll be a great offensive tackle in the league in years to come. Okay. But is he a number four pick when you have Fields and Pitts on the board? No. Just not. And he, I think what what is what is clouding people's judgment here is the the depth of the O-line class, especially the offensive tackle. Last year, he would have been, what, the fourth or fifth off the board? You had Andrew Thomas, Becton, um, Wurfs from Tampa Bay. Those are three guys. And there's another guy I'm missing here, too, who's really, really good and who who played lights out as guys. You don't see rookies play like that. Like Tristan Wurfs had some insane stats about him come out and, and playing for Tampa this season. Um and I think Sewell will still be on the board past ten. So I think we're reaching if we get Sewell. Um I would even be, you know, like I said, open to trading back, taking a good defender like Micah Parsons from Penn State or maybe Aziz Ojalari because uh, he's he's a pretty good player. Uh but that's just my that's my Atlanta Falcons draft TED Talk. Thanks for listening. Um and that's the show. That's the show. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and review if you like the show to help us grow. Um, We are at UGA Football Live on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm at J underscore Shelton on Twitter. Let me know what you think about the draft. I'm really truly interested in what y'all think. And if you think I'm off base with my draft order, tell me what you got. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, Until next week, go dogs. Tyler Simmons is on sides. Aggravates the stew out of me.